crime, cases, and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Captain Ed Mamet and Detective Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cop Talk. I'm Kevin Schroeder, and I'm here with my co-host, Captain Ed Mamet. Say hello, Ed. Hello, WABC listeners. Here we are for another podcast. So today's guest on Cop Talk is Marianne McGinnis. Marianne's husband, Sergeant Peter McGinnis, was with the NYPD 6-2 precinct, and he died September 2002. Marianne is the widow's liaison for the NYPD Anchor Club, an order of the Knights of Columbus focused in helping widows and children. Marianne helped organize the first ever mass in Brooklyn to honor officers like Peter, who died of suicide. An estimated 200 people, many of them NYPD officers in uniform, attended the September 28th Mass at Our Lady of Guadalupe Church in Dykes Heights, Brooklyn. Marianne, welcome. Thank you. So, Marianne, let's talk about your background. You were born and raised in Brooklyn? I am, yes. So, tell us about um, I was born on 72nd between 12th and 13th. When I got married, we shared the driveway. I rented the apartment upstairs. <laughs> I would throw my laundry out the window <laughs> and go do it in the basement at my mother's house. But then um, we didn't go far. I wanted to go to Long Island. My husband wanted to stay in Brooklyn. He loved the Italian neighborhood. And uh, we moved around the block, and I've been there ever since. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's Born great. and raised. Born and raised, Brooklyn. Yep. You don't hear that much anymore. No, you know? I know. You know? I know. So tell us about your husband, Peter. How did you meet? Um, we, met, we met at TGI Friday's. Oh, okay. In Brooklyn? I, I, no, Manhattan, oh, 34th okay. Street. I was waitressing there, and uh, he showed up with his cop friends. They were doing um, security for Madison Square Garden for, oh, God, uh, you know, the guys with the little bears, all the bears. Um, <laughs> I can't yes. think of what they're, they're called. They're potheads. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'll, it'll come to me. And uh, I waited on the table, and I, I thought he was very good-looking. And, of course, I screwed up the check, <laughs> messed the whole thing up. But uh, they left, and um, when I went, I was going to hang out at the pen bar. I could see him talking to his friends, and he came over, and he approached me and asked me for my phone number, and I laughed. And I said, absolutely not. I said, so you could just show your friends? Oh. <laughs> not going to happen. You know where I work, call information. And he did, wow. and that was it. And, and how long were you together? Um, we were together six years before we got married. And um, then we were only together married nine years. Nine years. Yeah. Captain? You know, um, during my 40-year career, uh, I knew quite a few people who committed suicide. Um, it was an ep it's an epidemic. And uh, I can understand what you've gone through. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, Peter's suicide that might help Others who are um, similarly affected, other families who are affected by this. Don't do it. <laughs> um, so there was no signs. There was absolutely no signs. And I don't really think that there are, usually, because um, when I do speak with people, nobody says, oh, yeah, there was a sign. He was depressed. He was this. There was no signs at all. I mean, I had my daughter. We've After the two boys, we were so happy. I had my daughter. She was only one. He was like beyond ecstatic to have the little girl. So there was no signs. It, what can I tell people? He missed so much. My kids missed so much. I missed so much. It was too much. It's, it's a lot to take on three children all by yourself. I mean, thank God I had my family and my friends. But it's still, it weighs on me at night, you know. Um, 
Find help. I tell people all the time when I speak, um, talk to your dog. Talk to anybody. Just talk. Get it out. You know, you can't hold everything. You can't bottle everything in. You got to express yourself. Let it out. Talk. Complain. Talk to anybody. Your friend. Um, talk to somebody. It's got to get let out. And nothing is worth what he did. Nothing. I could have, if it was money, I, I should, I could have lived in a box. We could have rented an apartment. Um, you know, we didn't have to have the house. Uh, nothing is worth it. You know, um, I look at my kids, they missed out on so much. I, I could cry every day if I think about it. I try not to think about it. But my poor daughter, I mean, you don't think she wants her father to walk her down the aisle? Her sweet 16, you don't think she wanted her father to walk her? You know, and she could cry at any time. And it's so difficult when we go to these events like, we don't even look at each other. We kind of do back-to-back because we know what we feel like. You know, what you said before about no signs, I found that to be uh, quite true with at least three of the people that I knew who committed suicide. One was a sergeant who worked with me. I was a captain. And up until the uh, day he committed suicide, uh, he seemed like nothing was bothering him. And we were all shocked yep. when that happened. So true. And um, I can think of others. that They look perfectly normal. The next day you hear that they, they killed themselves. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's very true about... I was with him um, that day. It was my girlfriend's birthday, my daughter's godmother. And I said, do me a favor, could you just drop me off? We're having lunch for her. And I remember running into the store and getting a gift certificate. And I came out and he was playing with the baby in the car seat. I said, all right, I'll see you later. And then I never saw him again. Wow. Um, you're with the Anchor Club. I am. Can you explain to our listening audience what the Anchor Club Anchor is, Club. how long you've been with it? Anchor and Club is an is. amazing organization. Um, they are all third degree um, knights, and they're all police officers. They all volunteer their time to take care of the widows and children. So um, when Peter passed, there was um, a few guys that were on the anchor club that knew Peter, and so they invited me to join in. And if it wasn't for them, I don't think my kids would have had any experience with NYPD. See, to me, that, would, that left my husband alive, just having the NYPD in our lives. And, um, you know... I wasn't line of duty, so I didn't get invited to anything. Um, and the Anchor Club welcomed us. I'll never forget the first year. He died in September. December, I wasn't up for it, but they came with bags of toys for my children. I, it was just unbelievable. And um, so ever since then, they've invited me to Christmas parties, and the kids get things. They take us... Um, to Rockefeller Center, we go ice skating in March. Nice. We do the PDFD hockey game. We do um, Coney Island. We feed the kids all day, and then we go out to Sheepshead Bay, and we go on the police boats. We do a Mets game. We go fishing. We take them out fishing for the day. Um, we Every year, we try to add something new. And um, this year, we're, we're thinking about what we're going to add. We take them. We finally started doing the Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is fabulous because we're right there, right up front. They do the tree lighting at Rock Center. Right. And then we end it with a Christmas. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. In November, we do um, the Mass, the Mass for all our, our loved ones. And then in December, we finalize with um, the Christmas party for the kids, which is just to see their faces. It's amazing. Right. Sure. Do you do New Year's Eve as well? No. 
you know, do the ball, Midtown, no, Times Square. I this was the first year I ever went. Oh, okay. I've never been, and it was amazing. Yeah, it's a great experience. Yeah, you know, got to do it Especially once in your life. Especially if you don't have to wait twelve hours to watch the ball come down. <laughs> Just show up an hour before, as it should be. Um, so, Marianne, in September, you helped organize the first ever mass in Brooklyn to honor officers who died of suicide. What was that like, putting that together? That was beautiful. I, for well. Just before nine eleven, uh, just before I'm sorry, um, COVID hit. They actually did in two, in 2019 um, uh, the first mass for suicide, and it was at St. Pat's Cathedral. Once COVID hit, it went wayside, and it kind of everybody kind of forgot about it. And I said, Yeah, I don't think we should forget. I think we have to do this. And I had full support from um, the police department and the chaplains and all the unions. And we put together a beautiful mass. It, it was, it was sad because I had the history of how many officers have passed. And I went back to like 19, maybe 82 or was 80. And there was well over 200 names, and it was horrible to <coughs> type them and list. And, and, you know, I'm trying to get through my own and seeing the names. It, it, it chokes you up. It, it's sad. But, you know, the mass was for them, yes, it was, but it was also for their families. Because 20, you know, 21 years ago, it'll be 22 years. No, it'll be 23 years. Um... It was such a, you know, everybody dropped me. You know, no, ooh, hush, hush, you know, we don't talk about that. And I got to be honest, I don't think I told anybody in the anchor club how my husband died until probably 2019. I just said that he was sick, which he was. Um, I just didn't give any information because I didn't want to be shunned and looked at and, oh, you know, we we get that. We, we really do. And so this mass... Really, as much as it was for our loved ones, it was also for their families. I wanted them to feel part of something because, you know, again, the suicide is such a word and these poor people, you know, they never got, they never got involved. And listen, NYPD today, if you love them, we want you, you know, and that's what I, I said. If, you know, if we have people that want to be part of NYPD, don't we want that? We have enough hate out there. Sure. So uh, they were all in all. Yeah, let's do this. And a lot of families showed, which I was so happy that they felt like part of something, which was nice. I, and we say it all the time with the anchor club, with the suicides. You know, I'm so sorry I met you. But boy, am I glad I met you. You know, true, true. So this will be an annual event. Absolutely. And, and you know, when is the next one? And it's going to be where? either the third. It's going to be at Our Lady of Guadalupe. Okay. We're sticking with it. Staying in Brooklyn. Staying in Brooklyn. Um, and it's uh, going to I have to go this month and set the date. It's either going to be the third or fourth um, Thursday of September. Sticking with September. September. OK. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you separate your own sadness from uh, Peter's death when you help others in crisis? Hmm. Can you detach? I try. You know what? Um, um, I go. I I go to the man. I go to their funerals. Believe it or not, I go to the wakes and I introduce myself, and I tell them right now you you, you probably can't talk or understand anything that I'm saying, but when you're ready, I'm here to listen. And I have to be honest. I've spoken 
quite a few family members and we will speak on the phone and I cry. I do cry. I can't help it. You know, it brings me back and, you know, I know what they're going through and they thank me because I know what they're going through. I know what they feel like. And, you know, you feel lonely. You, you know, it's not something that people blame and blame and, you know. So that's why when I, I talk to them and I give them my story and I tell them about my family and my children, they're like, wow. And I said, yeah, well, but wow for you too. So as much as I try to separate, I still cry. Can't help it. Still cry. So now, Marianne, your son, TJ, mm-hmm. he's on the job, he NYPD, is. He is. and he works where Peter worked? Yes, he did. Right, Does. so he was only six, I believe, when yes. Peter died, mm-hmm. and now he's assigned to the 6-2 precinct where Peter worked, his <laughs> husband. Um, you must be very proud of that. <laughs> very proud. I am. <laughs> I am, because you know what? I have pictures of TJ when he was little in school, and they had, um, I'm sorry, and they had... Um, I don't even remember, but I have a picture of TJ, and he was, like, in kindergarten, and there's Peter in his uniform, and he's got his hands on TJ, and TJ came home, and he was so proud that day that his father was there in uniform, and he says, I'm going to be a police officer one day, and he always wanted to, he, from when he was little. I guess he just loved that uniform. I don't know. And then when Peter died, you know, I went through my own anger, but whatever, but as the years went on, I said, I, I can't blame anybody, uh, you know. I really can't. Um, and if this is what my son wants to do, I'm going to make my son happy, and I'm going to support it 110%. And uh, he's an NYPD officer. That's great. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank now, you. is Peter, um, does um, your son TJ have Peter's shield? No. Okay. Gotcha. I wasn't going to do that. Um, but what I did do, um, he has a part of Peter's police officer's shield and a part of his sergeant's shield. Okay. So we put it together and we okay. made it. Yeah, That's nice. Great. Uh, I, I, I know we touched on this before, but if someone is in crisis, um, can you think of any of the signs that might show up? Um, and... Um, and what, what would the friends or, or family respond to? You know, I, I'm not a professional. I didn't go to school for this. This is all what I lived, unfortunately. Um, again, my husband showed no signs. None. None I, whatsoever. None. He had a smile on his face, happy as could be all the time. Um, even now, TJ at the 6-2, um, there's a few people that are still there and remembered Peter. And they said, your father always had a smile on his face, always made us laugh. And so I, I couldn't tell you. The only thing I found out afterwards was um, one of the guys had told me that he went to get his dress uniform. But would you take that as a sign? I wouldn't just because. No, but that reminds me of the scene in uh, I think it was a few good men. If you remember the the officer who was uh, involved, okay, he dressed up in his Marine Corps uniform meticulously, and then he killed himself. Yep. So I mean, but how would you know that? How would I know that? You wouldn't. And he was out (laughs) sick, so and I I just wouldn't have known. And I was so busy with three kids, I wouldn't have even i don't know that that was about the only thing yep 
Marianne, what would you tell young cops today how to prepare mentally for the job to be law, you know, NYPD officer? So you know what? I have to tell you, um, I'm Italian. <laughs> and um, I think that the way I was raised was to have a thick skin. You know, my parents didn't, oh, you know, you're such, you're perfect, you're this. No, my parents were real. They said it as, as it was. They raised me to have very thick skin. And I think that that's how I raised my kids. Um, you know, each one of my kids had um, gained weight and were on the heaviest side. And I was brutally honest with them. And, you know, I would tell them, you know, this isn't healthy. And, you know, exactly that. So um, it's funny because when a kid would insult my kids at school and say, oh, you're fat. He would say, that's all you got. You got to give me something better than that, you know, because you you have to have a thick skin in this world. You really, really do. And unfortunately, what the city is going through right now, they have they can't take anything to heart. They have to remember why they became a cop. And um, that's that's really it. And I, I tell I also told my kids, which is true, too. You know what? You have to have respect for your bosses. You might not like them but you have to have respect for them. Because a lot of kids today, oh, they try this job, they don't, oh, I didn't, I didn't like it. Nobody knows how to stand and, you know, stick it out. Nobody's saying you have to love your job at this moment or your boss. You got to stick it out for a little bit of time and, you know, get used to it and see where it takes you. You can't be, a, you can't quit right away. And, you know, not that my kids, TJ has come home and said, oh, I don't like this boss. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but I say, you know, you're not going to like every boss. And one day a boss might not like you and might get on sure. you. But you have to have a thick skin and you have to be respectful. And that's the bottom line. You really do. True. True. You know, part of that was lost when, uh, when the draft uh, ended. Because in my generation, mm. just about everybody had served in the military. Either they volunteered or they were drafted. So they were used to the chain of command, the discipline involved. And so when they went into the police department, they were conditioned to obey orders. And like you say, uh, like I I had a sergeant, I couldn't stand him (laughs) as a person, but I respected his rank. That's it. You know, and I did what he says. So I respected the rank, but I didn't respect him. Right. Well, Captain, you were a boss. Yes. Did everybody love you? Of course not. <laughs> and that's okay. Oh, I'm glad we don't work together. You know, oh. are, are you familiar with any of the uh, training that the recruits get in the police academy about suicide or suicide prevention? So my son told me that, yes, he did definitely take a course in, um, in suicide prevention. But I believe that two and a half years, I believe they're doing even more now. Um, I know health and wellness, they set up a, a time frame where they're in at every all the um, the classes, they make sure that they're in there talking to them about it. And actually, um, I'm going to be able to go, which I'm very happy about. Because, you know, it's one thing to read out of a textbook and hear from a psychologist or a psychiatrist or what have you, but I'm the real deal. I, I could tell you exactly what it does to you and how hard and difficult it is. And so, you know, sometimes people want to hear, you know, reality, not textbook info. Well, what do you know about the police academy? Do you think they're doing enough? Or do you think they can do better? I don't know. 
Well, perhaps you can volunteer yourself as a consultant. I yes, them. yep. That's yep. what they need. So uh, exactly that. I made nice. I met a lot of people, and that's why my first step is to get into that academy, and start with that. But um, it's true. Nobody knows better than I do. I'm sorry. Well, you could actually lecture the recruit classes. That's, that's what I plan. That's very good. Uh, Marianne, have you spoken at any uh, meetings like Holy Name Society meetings, mm-hmm. Emerald Society meetings? Yes. Cool. Yes, yes. I did Holy Name. I did Anchor Club. I was even on a few podcasts. Um, uh, uh, keeping it real with uh, Stephen Michael. Okay. Yeah, he, he's uh, from NYPD also. I did a few podcasts. Um, I spoke a few places. And, again, it's only a couple of years that I'm actually finally speaking about it. And when it happened was in 2019 when it was that horrific year and we lost how many guys to that. And um, I could remember um, Bobby Ganley. Sure, sure. So, um, man. dynamite man. Um, he, he remembered me because he was um, the SBA when my husband passed. Right. And I had met up with him at uh, a Christmas party, and he goes, oh, my God, I know you. And I said, oh, I don't remember. And he goes, Marianne, I was at your house for how long? And when he said his name, I said, oh, my God, yes, yes, because, you know, you lose touch. And um, I remember every police officer that died that year, he and I would text, and he, he goes, bringing it back again. And it just, it hurts. It, yep, it, it really Listen, all I know is I love him, I miss him. When I see him again, the first thing I'm going to do is punch him in the face, <laughs> and then I'll hug and kiss him. Right, of course. If, yeah. if someone is in crisis, either a police officer or a loved one, uh, who should they contact? Again, I, I'm, I'm just here for you know, my own personal experience. Who should they contact? I guess Papa. Um, there's the 988 number. That There's so many different suicide organizations now that they could yes. reach out to. There really is, which is a lot more than when I first came oh. about. But um, I say it all the time. It shouldn't get you to that point. You have a bad day at work. Come on. Get home and talk to somebody. Vent. Well, you got that, a vent. That, that's the problem with police work. You know, I, I found myself in the same position. When I was a detective, and I had to go to the morgue and identify a 7-year-old girl who was died of malnutrition. Oh, God. And I was there during the autopsy, and I had a daughter the same age. And I was looking at this little girl, and I'm saying, oh, God, this could have been my daughter. Yeah. And when I got home, I was, you know, very uh, emotional, and, and my wife you know, want to talk about uh, to me, and I, I didn't even tell her what I experienced. I just kept it to myself because I wanted to protect the family. So that's what cops face. You know, I they know. face these these uh, situations, and there's nobody that they can really talk to except fellow cops. I mean, there are people they can talk to, but they don't know who to talk to. I know. I know. And I, I could tell you myself, my husband wouldn't have called Papa. It, he just wouldn't have. Um, I don't think a lot of cops would. No, most cops. Well, would maybe not. he had something going on that was job related, and he didn't want to bring it to your attention. I know that he had broken his aunt, his hand, and um, while he was at work, and that's why he was out. But um, can't blame anybody. I won't do that. Would you want the uh, audience to contact you? Sure. Oh, so you, could you give them uh, give out your contact information? Sure. My name is Marianne McGinnis, um, mcginnis4 at gmail, 
or you could call me, 917-297-2891, and I would be more than willing to listen because nobody should feel that way, nobody ever. Somebody could listen, definitely. Captain? Well, I think this was a great interview. Thank you. Uh, I feel sort of empathetic because I know people, I'm not even sympathetic, empathetic because I feel uh, I was very close to the situation <laughs> dealing with people I worked with who uh, committed suicide. More than, uh, like I said before, quite a few. And it was shocking to me. I, I always felt had I known what was going on, maybe I could have helped them. Yeah. I hope that I can help somebody, one person. I would love to help one person if I could do that much. You know, nobody should ever experience this as a family. If, if you're out there thinking of it, think of your family because what you do to them, I didn't get off my couch, I think, for two years. You know, I had a one-year-old. I couldn't even lift her. I dropped so much weight out of depression and, you know, it. You don't want to do that. When I, your boys are being raised, they didn't have a father to turn to to express things to them. I had to. Um, my poor daughter. My daughter, you know, when they were that small, they didn't know how their dad died, and I didn't know what to say. So we said he died from a car crash. Makes sense, right? So then years had gone by, and um, the boys were probably like 10 and 12, and the Internet was really moving on and they started asking questions and you know Dyker Heights small neighborhood people talk so I said well it's time that I had to tell them and I sat them down and I explained you know I have to tell you daddy didn't die in a car crash you know and unfortunately you know when it comes to the brain you don't see it it's not like a broken arm or a broken leg the heart is different the head is different and I explained it to them and we cried and then we went to his favorite restaurant um but then years later, I had to tell my daughter. And this is the one that just kills me because when I told her, the girl couldn't stop crying. And she was like 15 years old. And I'm like, honey, you know, it's okay. Why are you so upset? And she said to me, mommy, I'm crying because all these years, I thought daddy died in a car accident. And I thought it was my fault because I was a baby and I was crying all night and I kept him up. And so he fell asleep at the wheel. Oh, God. So, here I was, where I thought I was protecting them, and I did, you know, the opposite. Yeah. So, you know, as far as I was trying to protect them from that, you know, so if you're out there thinking of it, think of my daughter. <laughs> think of Jolie, and, you know, you don't want to do that to anybody. So, mm-hmm. So, how old are your children now? Um, TJ will be 27. No, TJ's going to be 28. Okay. Johnny's going to be 27, and Jolie will be 23. Wow. Yeah. God bless them. Yeah, yeah. They're good. They're good kids. They're healthy, happy, you know, but. Well, Marianne, first of all, very sorry for your loss. Thank you. And thank you for being here, taking time out to be with us. Yeah. And, you know, you're sending a great message out there, and I'm sure you'll be able to help many people who, I hope. you know, unfortunately have things going on that we can't see going mm-hmm. on in their head. Uh, because you never know. Like you said, you just never know. Uh, but thank you. Marianne McGinnis, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you like what you hear on Cop Talk, please subscribe. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cop Talk WABC. That's at Cop Talk WABC. Until next time, God bless the NYPD. God bless law enforcement throughout the country. And also, God bless America. Thank you. Be safe out there.